I needed an, another way to get my message out there to almost like educate people on why I had decided to make my product the way that it was. And I guess if people were thinking about my program, there's now this, there's 41 episodes that people can consume. Welcome to Marketing Builder, the show where you'll get lots of little bricks of marketing advice to help you build up your marketing and your business. Drawing on over 20 years of marketing experience, your host, Daniel Oyston, will dive into a topic and provide you with short, sharp and to-the-point marketing advice that you can apply to your marketing straight away. Welcome to Marketing Builder. Let's get on with the show. Yo legends, pumped to have you joining me for this episode of Marketing Builder and also Kate Freeman. That's the voice you heard right at the start of the show. You might remember Kate from episode two where she joined us to chat generally about marketing her business, The Healthy Eating Hub. It was a great show and if you haven't heard it, be sure to check it out. Not imperative that you listen to it before this episode, but be sure to check it out later on. As I've mentioned previously, Kate started a nutrition blog and it was pretty popular. So popular, in fact, that it made her think about whether after her son reached kindergarten age, if she should return to her government job or maybe press on and see if she could build a nutrition business. That was in 2012. And now, eight years later in 2020, the Healthy Eating Hub boasts two locations in Canberra, Australia, a strong team of nutritionists and an amazing social media following with their Facebook page having more than 15,000 followers. As you'll hear soon, the Healthy Eating Hub isn't into fads and diets. In fact, you very quickly come to realize that Kate and the team are all about keeping it real for real people. And that is what their content focuses on as well, keeping it real. Now, Kate is like any good small business owner in that she creates lots of great, helpful, useful content, such as blogs and videos and social media posts, etc. But for Kate, that wasn't enough. And this year, she launched a podcast series called The Daily Dollop. I'll let Kate set it up for you as we then go on to chat about podcasting for business. Here's Kate. The Daily Dollop is a 10 to 15 minute daily podcast with me talking about nutrition woo. So I want to call out the woo in the diet industry, which is kind of like... (laughs) The pseudoscience, the really wacky advice that's out there that often leads people to being being really confused about what to eat. Call out the woo, look at the the scientific research. And so my, my main goal is to really translate the science then into to practical everyday advice. So that then I'm like, okay, so what does that mean that you do every day and how does that affect how we would recommend that you eat. So my goal is to keep it really stress-free, like no scaremongering or making people feel guilty about what they're eating, just empowering people to feel good about their food choices and putting a positive spin on nutrition. Sounds like a great project, a great angle, a great attitude. But Kate, when we spoke last, you were already super busy, had so much (laughs) going on. Why did you decide to start a podcast and add add that into the mix of things that you need to get done? (laughs) I don't know, Daniel. I really don't know Um, (laughs) because I did think that and I have to admit my husband was literally like, you're doing what? And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I can totally do it. I think I had felt like one of my core products, which is my online program over at the Healthy Eating Hub, is a really unique and different way to approach nutrition. It's different from everything out there. It's slow, incremental change. We're really focusing on trialing and error 
um, individualizing nutrition and, and doing core behavior change, which is just, it's, it's slow, it's steady, and it's in a market of quick fixes. And I guess I just felt like I needed an, another way to get my message out there to almost like educate people on why I had decided to make my product the way that it was. Mm. And so I guess the Daily Dollar was a bit of going, I can tackle pretty much any nutrition thing you throw at me, fasting, time-restricted feeding, the keto diet, adaptogens, like whatever, and I can pull it back to the fact that at the end of the day, we need to be consistent with our healthy food choices and do it in a way that suits us and our family and not put so much pressure on ourselves to like get it perfect or like find the right or wrong way to eat. And so I guess I just sort of felt like I needed to put my message out a bit more broadly. And I guess if people were thinking about my program, there's now this, there's 41 episodes that people can consume, I guess now to find out about me and how I work. And that's why I decided to do it. But before you launched the show, were you already a podcast listener were you listening to podcasts and then started to think geez this is a great medium i could really leverage this or did somebody put the idea in your head i have listened to podcasts i really like podcasts i have thought about it on and off over the years but i guess it always felt like too hard to do and i was afraid of the time to produce them the editing part i guess and um so never really did it and then i was a guest on your podcast and then I was invited to go on the Money Madams podcast and uh, did that a couple of times. And I really enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> Just asked me to talk. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had put a post on social with, you know, myself in the headphones with the mic when I was doing the, the Money Madams show. And it said, should I start a podcast? And then heaps of people were like, yeah, you totally should. And then a follower of mine, her husband just so happens to own a small business doing podcast production. And so he got in contact with me and he was a very good salesman. And there we go. He was like, I'll produce it for you. We worked out a price. And then I thought, okay, I can afford to spend that and just to give it a crack. And away we went. So when you ask people whether you should start a podcast, you've got that overwhelming response. That can be quite buoyant. It can really push you forward. And then other people are getting in contact and saying, look, I can help you make this happen. But there comes a Mm. point where you have to try and set some business objectives and goals. When you set Mm. out at the start in your mind, what did success look like to you, i.e., what outcome or place were you thinking, oh, it'd be great if we could get the podcast to that point? I originally really hoped that it could translate into sales and so I had worked out the production costs of each episode and then thought all I have to do is sell two memberships an episode and I've you know made a return you know and I had my sort of cost per acquisition number with the marketing spend and I thought I was really organized and looking with my data and my numbers and stuff and so that was sort of my original goal with it but I've since found so we haven't got as that many sales at all but it's super hard to measure too actually whether it is translating into sales or not because it's kind of like I mean and I'm not a marketing expert you probably know more about this than me it's more like brand awareness and sort of message building and profile building and then 
so it's probably never going to directly result in sales, but I guess it's part of my marketing ecosystem. Attention, attention, marketing target. While Kate set out to try and translate listeners into clients, the buyer journey is actually longer and less linear than that, than just listening to a podcast maybe a couple of times and then taking action. Sometimes as business owners, we like to think the journey is a straight line, like an uncooked piece of spaghetti. But the reality is it's more like a cooked piece of spaghetti that's been thrown against the wall and every person's cooked piece of spaghetti stuck to the wall is all curved and bent and has a different path. It's unique. Now, Kate, I hope you appreciate the food analogy I've worked in there. Hashtag carbs aren't your enemy. Plus, certain tactics work well at certain points of that buy decision process, and a podcast is going to usually be best suited to the top or, or maybe to the middle of the sales funnel. As such, a podcast like Kate's is useful on a number of fronts. It provides brand recognition and engagement because people listen to the show and then maybe they tell their networks about it or engage and share on the social media channels and help amplify that reach. Or maybe someone's booked their first consult or maybe they're thinking about booking one, but they want to listen to the show and learn more about the Healthy Eating Hub's approach and and attitudes to dealing with people and the topic of nutrition. That's a powerful interaction. But as always, The overarching strategy here is to market through teaching and do that by demonstrating your expertise because that builds trust and people buy from people they trust. Kate, are the topics for each episode unique or are you repurposing content that you've already created like blogs and videos and webinars and things like that? Most of it is repurposed content. So I've been writing for my own blog and for other websites for nearly eight years now. So that's a lot of content. And I've also created content for my online program, but for clients. So a lot of it's repurposed and my episodes are done in a one take. So I give myself a really basic sort of flow of dot points in front of me. And then for things, if I need to reference a particular study or need to know some specific numbers, I've got that info in front of me, but otherwise, I think I've found that I've been doing this for so long now that once I get started, I talk to the topic pretty good. But it's definitely because I've like either written about it or talked about it before. So it just comes really easily to me. Kate, a two-part question, and I don't usually mm. like asking two-part questions. I think they're sometimes <laughs> okay. a, bit, a bit lazy, but I think the two parts may be hard to talk about individually. So I'm going to ask the two-part question. The first okay. part is how long do you spend on a show from finding that idea and and deciding on it, remembering that you're repurposing content and topics that you've already spoken about in other content. So Mm -hmm. from finding that idea and topic through to, to launch, how long do you spend? And is there anyone outside the business? I think you referenced somebody earlier before that helps make that show happen. Is there anyone else helping you making all that happen and come to fruition? I guess I'll do it maybe per five episodes because it's a daily dollop. We do a daily, it's a daily podcast. So that already was going to be slightly burdensome. So what we, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, what the frig? Like, why are you doing it daily? And I was like, I don't know. Cause it's called the daily dollop. I'm like committed now <laughs> to daily. I'm like, I can't call it the occasional dollop. <laughs> it just doesn't have the same ring to it. So what we would do is we'd shoot five episodes on the sort of the week before. And so it would probably take me, if I added up the time, maybe a full day to to research 
like write my structure and show notes, record, you know, change my T-shirt and hairstyle in between takes, etc. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd sort of send the, them off to the producer. And so, yeah, I did pay a producer, Casco Media they are, and they up on Sunshine Coast. So they, he actually sent me down the mic and stuff and sort of I just did it straight off my phone. And we have a, it's a podcast and a video. So we're shooting it off my iPhone, like video, with the mic plugged into my phone. And so then he just pulls the audio off that for the podcast. And then we also have a video that goes natively onto Facebook and also onto YouTube as well. So we're trying to like repurpose the content as much as possible. About a full day, I think. But it would take me two days because I also run like the two Canberra clinics and my online program, I would find that I never get uninterrupted time at hmm. work because I have seven staff. So I always used to be like, I need to start Thursday morning. And by the time, yeah, I get interrupted and I'm dealing with different things, I'm, I'm done by Friday afternoon. So you mentioned yeah. that the show's also a video. So you're at that point now where you've got a volume of work. Looking back... Was it a good decision to include video? Because it's quite a common sort of sticking point for people that might want to start a podcast for their business. They think, do I need to do video as well or should I just do audio? Personally, I just do audio. I find it mm. much easier. You know, I don't have to worry about redoing my hair or changing my shirt like <laughs> you do. Um, you know, looking back on it now, was it a good decision to include video or do you think maybe oh, I should have just stuck with the audio? I feel torn about that. I think the podcast has a higher listen rate. All 40-odd episodes have had a total download rate of around 15,500. So I think we were sort of, from memory, around 500 to 600 listens an episode on the podcast. And then the Facebook videos, I get between 200 and then our best video did 1,000 views but on average probably 200 views on Facebook and that's only three-second views, so I don't actually know how many people watch them fully through. And the YouTube one's really low, like 20 views, but I didn't have a following on YouTube. It was pretty much just like you have a video, you may as well chuck it on YouTube as well. So we just sort of did that because it was easy to do. I think with my planning for next year, I definitely want to do the podcast again, but I am considering whether I do the video as well because it does like you said it adds just one more layer it just means that as I'm recording I have to look engaged <laughs> at the video you know like I feel like I have to have my hair done and yeah my makeup on and um sort of look half presentable so yes it certainly adds in a layer and I'm just still tossing up whether I think that's worth it or not the videos have had varying levels of success some insightful comments there, Kate. Now, once a show is live, what do you and the team do to help promote it and get it out there for people so that they can listen to it? We definitely use social media a lot. So I have a staff member who does social media for me and the, the business. And so she, this is the second season, she spent a, a bit more time creating little video snippets so pulling one minute little clips from the main video so that we can put them on Instagram and in Instagram stories and things like that. So that was really just a different thing to try. This time we would do sort of summary posts as well. And then we 
also used to do like mail outs to our mailing list, sort of the Daily Dollop is launching and then the Daily Dollop is back because we did have a break for a couple of weeks in between the sort of halfway mark. We did try a press release and sent out to some like news outlets across Australia and we did get a bite from, we got, went into the Canberra Weekly magazine, but we did get a bite from news.com.au, but the journalist is still working on the piece because it wasn't a time-sensitive news release, obviously. So well, I'm yet to see whether <laughs> I get a good article from that journal. While Marketing Builder is the name of this podcast, it's also the name of an awesome product that can help you sort through all the fluff of marketing advice out there and focus on the important stuff. Marketing Builder is a card-based system supplemented by online video lessons that walks you through, step-by-step, the most important things in a marketing plan, such as buyer personas, pipeline analysis, objectives, strategy, goals, budgets, and the fun and sexy stuff, the marketing tactics. And there's over a hundred of them for you to consider using. The card sorting process results in a visual representation of your marketing, where you can easily see how people will engage with your marketing as they move from awareness through to a customer or client. Whether you're a small business owner trying to develop a marketing plan that you can actually use and are confident in on that very limited budget, or a seasoned marketer wanting others in your organization to have real buy-in and engagement with your marketing, then Marketing Builder is perfect for you. Visit marketingbuilder.net for more information. Now, the reason you're listening. Let's head back to the show. Kate, one thing I've always admired about you and what you do with your business is that you get things done. You don't seem scared to go and try things. You take the business seriously, but you have a lot of fun. And so it seems to me from the outside that you strike a great balance between just getting on and getting stuff done, but also putting some thought and planning into it to make sure that it's given the best chance of success. So I'm curious about whether there's anything big along the way that you learned or or maybe a misconception that you had about podcasting for business? I think the main one was how I got that translated into sales, I guess. And I think I had a huge expectation that, oh, people are just going to listen to my podcast and they're going to love me. (laughs) They're going to (laughs) want to buy my program. I'm like, why wouldn't they? Um, So probably a tiny bit overconfident there, which is weird because I also felt like super insecure at the same time, like putting myself out there on the podcast. You know, like, what if people don't like it and rah, rah, rah. But my producer feels that the call to action at the end isn't strong enough in that I was probably hesitant to go, this is what my online program does. This is how I can help, like, have a strong call to action at the end of each episode. I didn't do that well. And that's something I'd like to explore next time is, I guess, thinking about the whole marketing process and thinking, okay, like after someone listens to my podcast, what's the next thing I want them to do? Also considering that a lot of my listeners were already like members of my program as well. I guess just seeing where it fits into my whole marketing strategy, I feel like I haven't quite nailed down that yet and I'd like to explore that further. So it sounds as though you're going to push forward with the show. There's going to be more episodes and and series. You set out with the expectation or maybe the, the dream that it was going to turn into lots of, of business. 
So I'm curious now, looking back, and it hasn't turned into huge amounts of business like you maybe thought it did with your dreams, but mm. are, are there any examples that you can share about how the podcast has benefited the business? Because you're going to push on with it, so clearly it's providing some benefit. It definitely has resulted in some sales. Like I've had people call me or complete the form on my website and you know, when I ask them how they found out about me or the program, they're like, oh, I heard your podcast. So I've definitely probably counted at least eight to 10 people over the, the last couple of months. So that it's not nothing. And I, I guess I just feel like these people also had ju only just met me. And one of the things I've noticed with my marketing in general is people sit on my mailing list for at least six to eight months before they buy from me. So it's a real slow burn. I think they just they just hang around. And I've had people after two years, they're like, oh, I've been following you and listening to you and watching you on social for two years now, thinking, oh, I probably should do it. And then they finally do after all that time. So I guess it's just discovering where it fits in the whole process of things and how I can use it to maybe tip over into a buying decision or like I've had members message me on social media who did join my program, but they haven't been using it and listening to the podcast has helped them re-engage with it. Hmm. So I think that's probably minimized cancellations of the program for people who are like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything with it. So I'm just going to finish up. So that's good too. So I, I do believe it is making a difference. And I, and I, I wonder if I just need to not be impatient and, and be prepared for it to be, a slow burn as, as part of my brand. I'd so, agree. I'd, I'd, yeah. I totally agree. I, I love that story about how people sit on your database for quite a long time before they potentially make contact. It reminded me of a story. I went to a meeting once. I'd never heard of the business, hadn't heard of the, the gent that organized the meeting. When I walked into the room, he had something like 20 of my blogs printed out on the table <laughs> and was oh, wow. like, Oh, so I, I read this one and that one. And I want to do this and this and that. And I was just like blown away. So I think sometimes as businesses and particularly as content creators, we mm. can lose sight of the fact that just because we're not hearing from people that they love our content every week or they're not taking that specific action, that sometimes I think that we lose sight of the fact that that content is still having an impact on people. So yeah. How would you describe, Kate, your overall experience with podcasting, not just from your perspective, but the businesses? I think overall, it's been a positive thing for the business. I think that because of the Healthy Eating Hub's origin as a clinic in Canberra, a lot of our membership sales for the program are still Canberra-based, um, whereas the podcast being an Australian, oh, well, it's a worldwide platform, really. We actually charted in Canada and France and Mexico, <laughs> of all places, is that we're, um, the majority of our sales in the second half of this year for the program are, are coming out of Canberra. So I think it's definitely put us, put our name in front of people who hadn't met us before. And I think if I think about how long the brand has been in Canberra and people know the Healthy Eating Hub now and trust that brand, well, hopefully they do. And so I think now I just need to get the same sort of longevity and and trust in the Australian market, just that broader. So I think it's been a good way to get myself out into that broader market. 
And we did actually get our first international sale a few weeks ago from France. And we did the podcast chartered in France. I didn't even know that my website could take payments from France, but apparently it can. So there you go. Well, Kate, for my listeners in France, Canada, maybe Mexico, once they finish listening to you on this episode, where can they go and listen to your show, The Daily Dollop? What can they do? The Daily Dollop is on all of your podcast channels, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, all the ones. Um, So you can go and find The Daily Dollop there or you can head to healthyeatinghub.com.au forward slash The Daily Dollop. Outstanding. Thanks so much, Kate Freeman, Managing Director and Nutritionist, for coming on the show and sharing the Healthy Eating Hub's podcasting experiences. No worries. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap for episode 32. I've been your host, Daniel Loyston, and it's been amazing having you listen to the show. And I trust you got lots of value out of hearing from Kate and all about the Healthy Eating Hubs podcast journey. Be sure to check out the show, The Daily Dollop, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find out more about the Healthy Eating Hub by heading to healthyeatinghub.com.au. And you'll also find links at the bottom of their site to their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube profiles. Loved this episode? Good. Make sure you don't miss the next one and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever it is you listen to your podcast. I'd also love to hear from you on what marketing you're crushing. Maybe you're stuck on something or you're finding something a little bit tough at the moment or you have a question you're not sure about something. Please get in contact. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston. That's O-Y-S-T-O-N. Or follow Marketing Builder on Facebook or Instagram. Just search for Marketing Builder or the handle M-K-T-B-L-D. Until next time, may your marketing be awesome and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of Marketing Builder. This show was developed, hosted, and produced by Daniel Oyston from Content Grasshopper, the creator of Marketing Builder. Marketing Builder is the easy-to-use, step-by-step card-sorting system for cutting through all the marketing fluff out there and to help you build a marketing plan you are actually on board with. For more information, visit marketingbuilder.net or contentgrasshopper.com.au. Thanks for listening.